Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Families matter. It's hard to overestimate the importance of the family in our lives and in our world. And when family life is good, it's awesome, isn't it? And when family life is bad, it's awful. It has a huge impact on us, and, and it's gonna, it, it affects you know, our experience with family right now, our experience with family in the past. That affects us. It affects us how we look at things, how we feel about things, what our initial responses to things are. And we are not totally controlled by that, and we can grow from that, but it's there. That influence is always there. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. And so we've been in this sermon series entitled Family Matters, and, and we, we looked and talked about how moms matter and then how dads matter, and today we want to talk about how families matter, your whole household, and, and what is God's plan for this. Now, the good news in our society today, I mean, as we look at our society, we understand that our society is, is pretty quickly, and it has been for a long time, but it's becoming more evident, moving away from a biblical standard, right, for what, what God says is how things ought to be and what his purposes and plans and, and how we make those decisions. It's moving away from that. But nonetheless, uh, there has been research done that shows, a Pew Research Center did research saying that 76% of people in America still say that their family is the most important element in their lives. So people still believe in family, and that's good. Now, what's not so good is that in our society, because we have moved away from what God says and how things ought to go, we're beginning to have moved further and further away from how God says family ought to work. We, we've you know, changed our roles. We've, we've uh, adopted different values. We've measured things differently. And we've kind of, to a large amount in our nation, gone our own way. And when we go our own way and we set aside what God has said, whether we really realize it or not, that is sin, isn't it? We, we, we conclude we know better than God or it's not even important to know what God has said about it because we got it figured out. Well, scripture very clear. Proverbs chapter 14, 34 says, godliness makes a nation great. But sin is a disgrace to any people. And we are starting to see that in our nation, aren't we? Don't you agree we're starting to see the results of this in our society? I mean, it is really good, you know, that, that family's important and families, you know, they don't all look the same and, and we get that. God has made a, uh, taken that into account. But when we start setting aside what God says the family's about, how we're supposed to do those things, what his, his purpose for the household is, all of those things, we begin to bring God's judgment down into our lives. And Christians are not immune to this. You know, we are affected by how our families, what they were like, right? How you were raised. How many of you in here have ever, you know, grown up saying, you know, I will never be like my dad in that? 
And then one day, all of a sudden, something happens, and you respond, and you go, that was my dad. Is it just me? Or maybe it's your mom, whatever. I mean, we see those things, right? We experience those things. And so the idea is that the family, see, we have that affected how we look at things and what we do. And those may or may not be the way God says they ought to go. Uh, we have our own experiences with it. We are affected by the people around us. What we know, sometimes we're just ignorant of what God has said. And other times we can rationalize away what God has said because of our own comfort. Whatever, but we can miss the point. And so what I want to really do today is, is kind of help you catch a vision for your family, for the household. What is God's plan for that? What does he want to accomplish through it? Now, I tend to be a big picture kind of guy thinking. I can, I can get stuck there uh, and need to get down to the practical and what do we do? And, and, but I really think today when we talk about the, the family and what God wants for us, we need some of that big picture stuff to start with, okay? So hang in there. We're going to get down to some real practical, uh, nitty-gritty kind of things before we're done here today. When God refers to the family in the Bible, I mean, he talks about families, but when he, he's really talking about families as a unit, a whole unit, he uses, often uses another word for it. He uses the word household. Okay, so uh, God talks about households. And, and what is a household? Well, one definition is this. It's the, it's the family or the people of a house collectively as a unit. A family including its servants. Now, how many of you like to have some servants? Well, you realize you probably do. Because this is an older idea of family and the, and the household servants, but everybody included. But you, you have a servant, you have one that does your laundry for you and you know, washes it, called a washing machine. You have a dryer, you have a microwave, you have water that actually runs into your house. So I mean, it isn't that far off, okay? This idea of family as a unit and those things that service. And so, when I'm talking today about household, and I may use the word sometimes family and household interchangeably, uh, but here's what I'm going to mean. I'm talking about your family together, all of you together, along with everything that God has entrusted to your family. It could literally be a servant, or it could be all this stuff that you have, and it's in your control, and that you can use as a family. Now, God has really stressed the importance of family, of the household. I think just looking at it in society, sociologists would look at this, and as we go through scripture, we can see that the family really is the basic building block for all of society. It's the household where you know, people come from each day and go back to each day. And, and as the house goes, as the household goes, as families go, so goes the nation. And it's the same for us as a church. Families are the basic building blocks of the church. And I should say household, because let me, let me say this. A household could look differently. It doesn't, it's not necessarily a traditional household as we would think, because we come from all sorts of places here, don't we? Some of us have you know, mother and father, biological parents, children in the household. Some of us here are single parents, you know, with kids in the house. Some of us have no kids, but yet we're married or we're single. Maybe we have grandma lives with us or, you know, a cousin or even just a close friend who's living with us. Whatever that looks like, it's, it's, it's all of you together, that family unit 
as one in all that God has entrusted to you there. Okay, so whatever your household looks like, it's very important. It is the basic building block site, and it's the basic building block of the church, too. We, in one sense, we are a church of individuals, right? Because each of us have to come to Christ by ourselves. You know, you don't get to Christ because your mom or your dad was a Christian. You come to Christ because you have personally realized your need of a savior and you've responded to him in faith. And yet, there is a sense of, of that we come to church still as households. I bet most of you here today are sitting with the people in your household, right? And the, the impact of the household is so huge that it affects us as a church. What's going on in your household affects us as a church. So God has said, made it very, very important. The household also, you understand, is the primary producer of both money and people. Money and people. Uh, it produces money because think about it, you, you set up a household, you're setting up this economic unit. Uh, uh, it's economic unit, everybody in the household, maybe whoever's working and bringing income in and then there's expenses of the house and then money going out. And, and even the IRS will tax you if, if you will let them as a household, won't they? Not just as an individual. And so the household is the primary financial uh, producing entity. And not only that, it's also the primary place that produces people. Because it's in the households there where people have come together uh, normally and where they have children and they're raising up those children. Those children are going out into the world. And so the household is producing the members of society. It's also producing the members of our church. And so again, very, very important. And one of the ways that the, that the household is really important is this, that the household is the training ground for leadership in the church. When we look at the, the uh, uh, qualifications for those who would lead, it says certain things have to be true about their household. They have to have learned certain lessons there and gained certain skills and achieved certain things in order to be qualified to provide leadership in the church setting. And, and I'm not gonna talk much about it because you'll be discussing that in your life groups this week. That's part of your discussion. So the church is extremely important. <laughs> That's a pastor comes out with the wrong word. The church is important. Households, families, extremely important. The ripple effect from what's happening in households. If we have a church full of strong families, the church will be strong. If we have a church full of families that are broken and struggling weak, the church can still be strong, but yet it has a lot of other things it has to focus on in, in helping people. Uh, and so it really does matter. What I wanna do now with you though is, is talk big picture again a little bit and try to give you, help you capture a vision for what God would like your household to be, what his thoughts and intentions are for that. And so let's look at one verse out of 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter five, it's a place to talk about the gospel and our responsibility to share it. You don't have to turn there, it's on the screen. We're just looking at one verse. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God, be reconciled to God. So this is a description of us as Christians. And, and notice in the first phrase, so we are Christ's what? ambassadors. 
What's an ambassador? An ambassador, if we think in the United States here, right? Uh, an ambassador is someone who, who has a relationship with our governmental leaders and who knows what our policies are, knows what our values are and what our stands on certain issues are. And we take that person and we send them to another country where in that country they represent our interests. They are there communicating our message. They are the ones who will interact with that foreign government uh, about the United States. They represent the United States there. And they have to speak on behalf of the United States. Well, we are ambassadors. What country are we citizens of? I know the United States, okay? This is not a social studies lesson. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, aren't we? Our citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. And we do have citizenship down here, but let's think about this. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, God says, not only are you citizens, but you are ambassadors for that kingdom. And you are in a foreign country then. What's that foreign country? This world, that's right. This world ultimately is not your home. This is not where uh, you're headed, right? You're headed somewhere else. And so in this world, we are to represent Christ as his ambassadors. We are the one who, who knows his heart and his mind and his word and what's truth and what his policies are and all of those kinds of things. And so we live in this world as ambassadors. Now, here's where I want you to think about the household. Where do ambassadors live? Say it, someone. In the embassy. Right? The ambassador lives in the embassy, in the foreign country. He lives in that embassy. And while that embassy is, is located on foreign soil, within that embassy, it is the rules of the country that he comes from that rule. It is the values of the country that he comes from that, that govern inside that embassy. Is this starting to make a little bit of sense? And so it is that we are ambassadors, and so I want you to view your home as an embassy of Christ's kingdom. Think of your home that way, as an embassy of Christ's kingdom. So here we are, we, our citizenship is in heaven, we live in this world, and then our homes are embassies. That means that this is the place where, if nowhere else in our lives, this is where God's ways are lived by. God's principles in this home, God's truth in this home. The laws, and I don't mean in a, a bad sense, but the laws of our, the country that we are citizens of, the kingdom of heaven, ought to be what rule within that household. It is from this household that we as ambassadors go out every day into the world to represent the Lord. You know, part of the problem is I, I don't think we often see ourselves as ambassadors. And we don't see ourselves as ambassadors, maybe it's hard to see ourselves as living in an embassy. But we are ambassadors, and it's from this home that we go out into the world. And sometimes it can get pretty rough out there in the world. And so it's in this embassy, this home that we come back to where we now rest and we get refreshed so that we can go back out into the world. Now, every member of this household, of this embassy, has a role to play. I started to say something about how the government does things, I feel it may work against me. But what I wanna say is this. Um, 
we typically don't send people to live in the embassy just to hang around, right? If we send someone to live in the embassy, you have the, the ambassador, you have his family, you have the staff that's there, everybody that's involved in that household in the embassy, they all have a role to play. And so young people, we've talked about you know, moms and we talked about dads, you might say, where, where do I come in? Well, you are part of the embassy of Christ. You have a role to play in that. And I think you'll see that a little more clearly before we're done today when we talk about what do we do about this. It is in the, the embassy that you come back and this is where you train. This is where you learn the information that you need to know. This is where you develop the skills you need to know, again, to go back out and continue to represent Christ faithfully. And even though there's an ambassador, you know, in this human standpoint, this idea of this ambassador, he's the only one who could speak authoritatively in our world for this, God's perspective on the embassy is that everybody, everyone who knows him is an ambassador. So every member of this household if there's a mom, a dad, and kids, older kids, young kids, if grandma, whoever, if they know Christ, they are all ambassadors. And they, so everybody in this household ought to be a representative of Christ, ought to uh, be learning how to represent Christ, or maybe learning how to represent Christ better. And so this is the purpose of our household. The purpose of our household is to enable us as his ambassadors to be an accurate representation of who Christ is and accurately represent his message to our world and everything that goes along with that and how to function in our world as an ambassador of Christ. And so I want you to catch this idea and think about it. My home is not just about a place just to go crash or to make look nice or to have fun in, and it can be all of those things, but what you wanna do is, is enclose all of those things under a bigger view, and that's that my home now is an outpost for the kingdom of God. Ray, you live in Leicester, right? So there's an embassy here in Leicester. You guys live in Dudley, right? There's an embassy down in Dudley. Uh, Paxton, right? There's an embassy in Paxton, Millbury, right? I mean, th- can you think of your, your home that way? This is no longer just something. No, this is an outpost of the kingdom of God. And we need to look at it that way and give it that level of importance and think about how do we do, how do we succeed as an outpost? And then on Sundays, all of us ambassadors get together. Right? And encourage each other and worship and get message from God and, and take that message back and let that affect everything in our embassy and out into the world as we go. Now, our tendency as human beings is to, if, if we latch onto an idea, like maybe you're getting it, well, I can see that. That's, I, I can envision this a little bit. That we then grab everything and start running and start doing it. Well, if we're going to succeed, we have to make sure that we do it this way, right? Okay, really, really important because we can you know, said, come with our own ideas and it's easy to do because we have been impacted by so many ideas. But let's, let's turn to Psalm 127. Page 713 in the, the Bible that's there in the chairs. <coughs> really helps us to see some things that are important if we are going to succeed Psalm 127, I'll begin reading in verse number one. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, 
and put household in there. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage or an inheritance from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall, they, referring to the children, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Let's go back and, and talk through this a little bit here. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. So you say, okay, I get it. My house is an embassy. It's, it's a place for all of us who are ambassadors to learn and to grow and become and do and, and go out in the world as his representatives. And so you start thinking, okay, that means we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to stop doing this and stop doing that. We need to change the way we're doing this. We need to do more of this. We need to do less of this. If the Lord is not the one who's building your household, you're wasting your time. It's in vain. That's important to remember. And a little bit we're going to talk about, and I'm, I'm not there yet, so don't change slide, but we're going to talk about inviting the Lord into our, our home. But we have to be absolutely dependent on God for these things. So I say, hey, I need to be teaching my children the Bible somehow, some way. Okay, well, I got an idea and I'm going to do that. Hey, how about you say, oh, God, I have to teach the kids this, the Bible. I need your help. Would you work and lead me in this? We gotta have a budget in this household. Oh God, would you lead us? Would you give us your wisdom? Would you give us your insight? How to have this budget be what it needs to be? You see what I'm saying here? You can't do this on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. It really is about becoming aware that, wait a minute, this is not just my house. This is not just where my family lives. This is an embassy of the kingdom of God. Oh, God, we need you to work in our family, in our household. We are desperate for you to do so. Because if he, if he doesn't, you don't succeed. And I don't care what it looks like on the outside. You don't succeed. So he continues. <clears throat> He says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Have you noticed that there's a world around you and a dark spiritual force connected with it that wants to destroy your family? It wants to get you men off track onto maybe thinking your career is the most important thing and you make decisions to set aside your responsibilities to the embassy and your family there. You, or you get drawn aside and caught up in sexual immorality and pornography which hardens you and distances you. Wives, you get caught up in, I don't know, I've never been a wife. But you do get caught up in things. You get caught in trying to make things be the way you think it ought to be, make people respond the way you think they ought to respond. 
maybe over-attention to how the house looks, uh, whatever, okay? And the enemy wants you there. He wants your children. He wants to turn your children's hearts against you and against God. And he'll use whatever he can get his hands on to do that with. So if you try to protect your family from all of that, not going to happen. You will fail. Because what's it say here? Unless the Lord guards the city. The watchman. You can pay attention and try to watch. and get, it says, it's not going to work. The Lord is the one who has to guard. And you need to invite him into your life to guard you and to guard your household. And it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. There's a tendency among a bunch of us to think, well, if we just work harder at it. And next thing you know, you are worrying yourself. You are not sleeping. You can't sleep because you're laying up at night thinking about the bills that need to be paid. You're thinking about what to do about the kids. You're thinking about your marriage relationship. You're thinking about what's happening at work. And you're just working so hard. And, and, and it, it robs you of peace, robs you of sleep, and probably eventually robs you of your health. And he says that's what's going to happen if the Lord is not the one. And it says this, for he gives his beloved sleep. If I have bills to pay that I can't figure out how I'm going to pay, I have situations with my kids that I don't know how to deal with uh, yet, you know, marriage, relationship, whatever. If, I'm, if, the, if, if it's up to me, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> but when I get it, we say, no, God, you're working. You're working in my life. I'm trusting you. I've invited you in here. I'm trying to do what you've shown me to do. I'm trying to acknowledge you in all my ways, as we've talked about. Okay, Father, I entrust this to you. Now I can go to sleep. And this isn't perfect. You know what I mean? We're human. We struggle. But we can learn to sleep because we realize that God is the one who's building the house. God is the one who's protecting us. But that's only true if we have consciously invited him in. And if we are patterning in our house, trying in our household to acknowledge him in all our ways. You can't just go along business as usual and think, oh, God's taking care of all of that. We have to consciously invite him in. And then it continues, children are an inheritance from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. You're, okay, if you have kids, your kids are a reward. You earned those kids. No, but God says we need to see the children this way. If, if there are children still in your household, if there aren't children in your household, you're still a household, you're still an embassy. But if there are children in your household, God says those children are a blessing and we need to see them that way. I know they don't always feel like a blessing, but they are. Because he says this, verses four and five, he talks about they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So what does a warrior do with his arrows? He makes sure they're sharp, he makes sure they're straight and true, that the guidance system, the, the, the feathers on the back are where they ought to be so that when he pulls it back and lets go, it goes where it was aimed. And he says, that's what our children are. Our children are to be sharpened. Our children are to be made straight in character. Our children are to, be, to understand and get their guidance system, the Holy Spirit on the inside and the, the word of God here, to where that one day 
And it actually starts in stages, but eventually they're going to be launched out from your household to set up their own households. And we want their, their households to be what? Embassies of the kingdom of God. We want them to hit. And God promises us here, this last verse, he says, they will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. In other words, before it was my battle, I'm going out, I'm engaging now they're engaging. He says they won't be ashamed. They will do well. They will do well when our embassy, our household, does well having invited Christ in. So let me tell you a story. Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you aren't. But in the Old Testament, uh, the, was what was called the Ark of the Covenant. And if you ever saw Raiders of the Last Ark, Indiana Jones, okay, that's what they were talking about, but they made up all sorts of stuff in there, so try to forget most of that. But the ark was this container that they had that, that had some uh, very important uh, uh, relics and things that, to remind Israel about what was going on. But this ark, Ark of the Covenant, symbolized something to Israel. It symbolized the very presence of God with his people, a holy God having provided a way for us to have a relationship with him and, and a substitute and a picture of Christ. And, but it's, it's the presence of God with his people. Well, now, it had been captured by the enemy because God had turned away from his people because they weren't obeying him. Then they began obeying him. God is blessing them. They go to get the Ark of the Covenant. They go to bring it back but they don't really treat it the way it's supposed to. They don't treat it with the respect that they ought to have. Somebody dies in the process of the judgment of God, and so they stop trying to bring it all the way back to Jerusalem. Instead, they, they drop it off at a guy's house. And I wonder always how he felt about that. Somebody just died over this thing, and we're gonna store this at your house. 2 Samuel 6.11 says this. It says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Somehow they experienced very noticeably the blessings of God in their lives now that the ark was there. What does the ark represent? The very literal presence of God with his people. And so I want to say to you, I want to encourage you, invite Christ into your home on purpose, consciously. Invite him into your home. And it will become a blessing to you. But what does it mean to invite him into our homes? How do we do that? Well, first of all, it means that you have to take control of your home, take control of your household. And I don't mean become controlling in your household. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is become proactive. Start thinking, wait a minute. Okay, here's, I mean, all of your households right now are running some way, aren't they? They're running one way or another. Who knows, right? Lots of times we don't know. But we says we gotta know. We start saying, okay, here's my household. How is it running? And we become proactive saying, okay, Lord, what do you want? What do we need to keep doing? What do we need to change? What do we need to stop? What do we need to start? How do we need to do things differently? So you, you gotta consciously say, okay, we're gonna take control here. This is for Christ. This is his embassy now. And here's, I just wanna give you some practical things now that you can do. And by the way, I think that starts off with having a conversation with God about that. 
But now, what you want to do is things together, because what is your household? It is all of your family together, along with everything that God has entrusted to you. I want to encourage you to do these things. Eat supper together. Because every, you want to bring this house, this whole together, right? You know, this is a lost thing in our country. It's just a lost thing. People don't sit down and eat meals together. And I really want to encourage you to do that. If supper doesn't work, make it lunch, make it breakfast, whatever. And if, if, if your kids are old enough, everybody's around here, there, another, find some times when you can do it. Got it? Figure out a way to do it regularly. It's interesting. I just saw, a, a, somehow or bumped across an a interview of Danny Wahlberg this week. And he's in the, the show Blue Bloods. You know, I know there's, there's a recurring theme that happens every show. And every show is, they end up with dad, the grandpa, and then the sons and daughter and their children and some of their wives, and they all sit around the table and they talk about what's going on in their lives. And he said this, Dan Wahlberg said, yeah, so many things we remember, he said, I tell you, I think, I, think, I think everybody on the show would agree, the thing that we remember most about the show is sitting around the table together. There's something powerful there when you sit down and, and actually engage with each other on a regular basis. So, so uh, eat supper together. Go ahead and put the next one up there if you would. Open the Bible together. Now, this doesn't have to be a huge thing, but what it does is it's, okay, what, I, what might make it easiest for you to do is say, oh, I've got a family devotion time. No, how about we just put it at supper? Put it at that meal time. And, and so we... We sit down today and say, okay, you know, right before we, we say the prayer, let's read a couple of verses. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Boy, guys, we got to make sure that we invite Christ in and depend on him or we're going to fail. So let's, let's pray. No, I, I wasn't telling you guys to pray. That was funny. <laughs> Let's pray. It's like, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be painful. But the idea of you know, going through word, if you don't know what verses to pick, get like a daily bread back here at the Connection Center or something. Something that can give you some verses. And just read it. Talk about it briefly and pray. And, but be sincere in it. It's not a routine. Be sincere. But what are you doing? You're reminding all of us. We are together in this. And God is the one who we are dependent on for this. Uh, pray together. Once again, this doesn't have to be a big deal. I would encourage you to pray before your meals. Just take a little bit of time, stop and thank God. Uh, remind yourself that he's the source of all those things. But it also means this, when something comes up in, in the household, and, and I can admit, this is one of the areas I have not done real well with. A number of these things, I, I, we did really good on some things and had great results of it, and there's areas that I missed and wished I'd done better on, okay? But pray together. And what this means is when something comes up, and things come up. Have you noticed things come up in life? Hard things, big decisions. We need to learn to say, okay, we start talking about it and we're getting worked out about it. We say, okay, wait a minute, we need, to, we need to pray about this. And who's around right now? Who's in the house right now? Okay, come on, let's come together. And very simply, God, here's this issue for us. We don't know what to do. We need your wisdom. Seems like this. Would you help us? Please help us. It's not, you know, you see what I'm trying to say? It's just life. Interacting with God in life. 
but you're doing it on purpose together. Attend church together. Uh, really important, I think. Serve God together. Find some way that you can do that. And sometimes that might mean that we all are going to church and you're serving here, you're serving here, you're serving here. That's fine. That, that's, that is good. But that is, you're conscious of we, we as a family serve God. And there may be things that you can do together to serve God in some way. And then become conscious about reaching out to the world. It's called an embassy, why? Because ambassadors live there and ambassadors go out in the world and carry the message, okay? So think about reaching the world and that could start with your neighbors. Think about, do your neighbors know Christ? If you have neighbors you can actually access and get to, do they know Christ? And so you as a family, See, my tendency over the years, I would be, I'd go talk to the neighbor. I'd go to, and I didn't do a good job of saying, hey, family, what can we do together? Now, why do I want to do that? It really goes back to last week when we talked about, we want to be talking to our children about the Lord when we get up and when we go to bed and as we go by the way, right? And as we, whatever comes up. And so we take our children and say, How, what can we do? Let's go shovel somebody's drive or sweep something or help somehow. So we become conscious about it with our neighbors and then about the world. Talk to your children about missions. Talk to them about what's going on in the world and pray. Find out who one of our missionaries are and pray for them once a week or something. All of you take care of the household. Share the responsibilities there. Have chores. Do them. Face your problems together. Far too often, uh, I know one of my struggles again was that problems would come up and I wanted to protect my children from the problems. And there are times to do that. But I, I went too far that way. And the problem is my kids knew there were problems, but nobody talked about them. We need to sit down and face our problems together. Say, hey, we got this struggle going on and, and then pray with each other about it. And then have fun along the way. Have fun. Learn to enjoy each other. Do things on purpose. Go on a vacation. Take a staycation. Uh, whatever you need to do. You're going to be building good memories. As you do all of these things, you know, you're, you're building memories. Kids will say, I remember when. Uh, and you're going to instill the right reasons for living the right way in them. They will be sharp arrows that will hit their mark. Because they've learned to live this way as they've lived in your household. By the way, you can't be passive. It's not going to happen, right? I said, you've got to take control of your household. So what's your next step? Well, you need to say yes to God. Right now in your heart, you need to say, okay, God, I, I don't know what it all means, how it all works, but I say yes to you in this. And then the second thing I would suggest that you do this, that you have a sit-down meeting with everyone in your household. Do it this week if possible. If not, get it on a calendar and have the sit-down meeting. And sit down and talk and say, we want to be an embassy of the kingdom. We want to be effective. What do we need to do? And everybody who is able to actually participate in that conversation, small to big, include them all. Because guess what? Together, yeah, I'm the dad. It's my responsibility. I'm going to lead you in this. But together, we need to do this. And get input and together decide what one or two significant things could we start doing or, or stop doing or whatever, you know what I mean? Let's decide this together. <laughs> Don't be like me. Oh, I got this great idea. Come home. All right, we're going to do this. Stop that. You can't do that anymore. You've got to start doing this. Come on. You've got to do this. Anybody else like that besides me? 
I heard a yeah, and the rest of you are like, you're nuts. I said, no, let's go home. Let's just figure out. Okay, let's just, it'll all come. What one thing can we do or two things can we do, change, work on? And then as you do these things together, now it's, you. Know, well, hey, now let's look at this. And over a period of time, you know what you've done? You've invited Christ into your home. Your home has become his embassy. The presence of God is there. And just as he did with Obed-Edom, he's going to bless you. And you will succeed at being the household he's called you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this idea, this huge part that you've included us in, Father. We didn't even deserve to be saved, and you saved us. And then you include us in your plans and purposes, and you want us to be ambassadors in our homes to be your embassy and, and to depend on you and let you use us so that our children go out and, and fight the battles and succeed. God, help us to have a big-picture view of this. Invite you in consciously. Continue to be conscious of that. And help us, Father, to see just step by step together what you want us to do. And I look forward, Father, to hearing testimonies of how you have worked in these families here today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.